If you're able, stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read Mark 16, 5 through 8. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. glad you're here this morning. Today I will do my uh, final lesson on the Gospel of Mark. So it's kind of joyous in all that it's brought, and today is that final Sunday when we wrap things up. We'll look at the resurrection of Jesus, who Mark has proclaimed as the Christ, the Son of God. want to look at Jesus? Amen. Let's peer into him and look. We're going to look specifically at verse 8, which is the ending of the gospel of Mark from what we have from the oldest manuscripts. We'll show that as abruptly as this gospel ended, Mark started also, if you will recall, when we first began this journey in Mark, he started so suddenly. We'll journey back through the Gospel of Mark and look specifically at the word in verse 8 of astonished. So we'll do a, an overview and look at that word astonished, astonishment. It's also amazed. We'll see Jesus as Mark portrays him, who repeatedly used this word that those around him were astonished. Let's look together and soak and saturate ourselves in the word of God. As we get started, I just want to make mention that in your Bibles, you know, there's a kind of a brackets of verses 9 through uh, the rest of these verses in Mark, and it says the earliest manuscripts don't have these verses, and it appears that at some point somebody didn't like that abrupt ending of Mark, and they kind of began to put little different uh, things in from the other Gospels. There's none of it that's counter to the, the other Gospels. It looks like they put in a, a John 20, Mary Magdalene. They put in some Emmaus Road disciples, Luke 24, and because they just didn't like the ending. That's what most all scholars say, uh, that Mark was just too abrupt in the ending, and they just felt like, and they all left, and they were afraid, and there's an empty tomb, and he says, go to Galilee and wait, you know, for Jesus. They're just, just, just you know, let's, let's, you know, take some of these other gospels and put it. But I, I uh, proclaim to you today that Mark did end at verse 8, and it was just his way of, just like I said, the way he started. 
his gospel very abruptly. It's very different. The gospel of Mark, he started with no birth account, no, you know, uh, you know, parents of John the Baptist and their whole story and Jesus, John the Baptist's birth and all that introduction. He just jumped right in. And just as he jumped right in, he brought it to an end, and I think purposeful, purposeful, he leads us with that, that wonder and that amazement. It says afraid, but they were afraid because of, of an amazement, of an astonishment, of something that was otherworldly, that had just boggled their mind. So we're going to look at Mark 16, verse 8. Here's what it says. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Mark just, boom, ends right there. And I just wonder, he just leaves us today with, after all we've studied in the Gospel of Mark, are we left with those women trembling and astonished? Are we left with that empty tomb and that promised that Jesus will go before you to Galilee and you'll see him there. Go. Go and tell. Are we left with that astonishment? I think Mark purposely ended here. Now we have the word, the reason I titled this astonished was at least that's a kind of a less used word than amazed. This Greek word is translated amazed a lot. You know, they were amazed. But if I said that word, you know, everybody would fall asleep because it's like amazed has become, but astonished. Maybe that will stir something. I'm going to break down and dig into this word astonished a little bit. As Teresa and I were talking, she said, yeah, I'm glad you didn't use amaze. Somebody the other day used this word, oh, balls, you know, and it was just balls." And I was like, balls." She goes, no, I've never heard it either. Do you think it's really a word? So I get on there and look, and it says, 2003, this word balls began to make its way. I don't give credit to anybody, but in 2008, it was introduced into the Oxford English Dictionary as a word. So there is a word called amazeballs. Uh, you know, the sentence they use for an example is, the food was amazeballs. It was just, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, you can kind of envision it, you know, amazing balls just dancing off your tongues or just hitting you from all directions about how great something is. So that's why I didn't use amazed. Even though that's a beautiful word, it's kind of diminished in our language. Maybe even astonishment has. Maybe none of us even came today expecting to be astonished by God's presence. To be astonished to enter into his worship with the saints as we sang today. That innumerable angels from Hebrews 12 join in our praise and our worship. Maybe we don't have a vision of that. Maybe we're, we're just dead in some ways to the word being even astonished, astounded, taken out? Are we looking at this verse and just reading it once again and yawning? But see, the women Mark leaves us with, they left afraid, trembling with astonishment. This Greek word uh, used here, ekstasis, is, it means something has been displaced, something has moved something from its normal place. You think, well, what does that mean? Well, breaking it down uh, a little more, listen to this. I know this is going to be kind of a little in-depth, but a throwing of the mind out of its normal state. 
an alienation of mind, whether such as makes one a lunatic or that of a man who by some sudden emotion is transported, as it were, out of himself. So that in this rapt condition, although he is awake, his mind is drawn off from all surrounding objects and wholly fixed on things divine that he sees nothing but the forms and images lying within and thinks that he perceives with his bodily eyes and ears realities shown to him by God. Being thrown into a state of blended fear and wonderment. That's the Greek word. That's what those ladies experienced in that tomb. They were astonished. Thrown out of their normal state of mind, wondering, am I crazy? Am I going crazy? Out of the realm of possibility. Went there to anoint a dead body. This is what Mark leaves us with. Astonishment. Running with fear and trembling. A blend of bewildered and fear and amazement and wonder. All those things. Astonished. Ever been astonished? Ever been in your whole life astonished at anything? Anything ever astonish you? This should. Their story should. Living in it. that It's like me and Rifle and another pastor friend were having some coffee and we were like talking about the resurrection and I was talking about this amazement. You know, hey Bobby, what are you going to preach on Sunday? Astonishment. You know, one of the other pastors said, that's so out of the realm of their possibility. Like for us today, we think, yeah, Jesus is risen. I've gone to Easter so many times in my life. He's alive. Hallelujah. Bye. Let's go. No astonishment. But for them, think of it. No one had ever risen from the dead. No one had ever heard that, like coming back from life in some glorified body, you know. And all of this just that has happened. And this pastor said, you know what it would be like? All of a sudden, if this place we're sitting in having coffee right now, you said, it came alive and grew legs, and we were still sitting in it, and it started walking down the street, and we were sitting there drinking our coffee, and the building came alive. It's farther beyond that imagination. Like if we were here now, and this church lifted up out into the air and started walking down the streets, and we were just still in it, preaching and singing, and it's like, well, that's impossible. That's otherwise, that's lunatic. That's crazy. That's astonishment. That's what they were experiencing in that tomb. And it's hard to even grasp and realize this blend of fear and wonderment. Like, wonder, what, 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 out of breath, silence. This other Greek word that's used throughout Mark, and I think that's why he ends here with this astonishment, is ekpeso. And it means to strike out, expel by a blow, driven out away cast off by a blow, and you think, well, how does that have to do with astonishment? To strike one out of self-possession. It sounds kind of crazy, like you're knocked out of possessing who you are. To strike with panic, shock, astonished. To be struck with astonishment, amazed. 
Have you ever heard this phrase? Maybe you had never heard of amazeballs. How many people had heard of amazeballs? Quite a few. I had never heard of it. You guys got some good language. Have you ever heard of this? I'm going to knock you into next week. All right. A few people have heard that one. I'm going to knock you into next week. Meaning, I'm going to hit you so hard, I'm going to knock you into a week into the future, buddy. That's uh, getting hit by something. Struck out of your self and knocked into a week into the future. That's to strike out, to expel by a blow, to be cast off, to strike one out of their self-possession into a state of shock, astonishment, astounded. Astonished or amazed, as we will look at in this Greek usage in the Bible, is an intense blow that knocks everything else out of you, an intense focus on the divine, the supernatural. God is speaking right now to you in this tomb, and it's saying it is empty. See where he lay. Is that really happening? Is this really supernaturally? It's completely foreign to you. It passes and surpasses all natural categories to even store it anywhere in your mind. You don't know if it's crazy or not. If you're losing yourself, if you're outside of yourself, you are astonished. That's where Mark leaves us in this gospel. He leaves us in a state of shock and panic to run and go see. And it's not amazeballs. It's for real. It's either I'm going crazy or I have to find out somewhere in my mind and heart a new category for what I'm witnessing and hearing. It's either that or just to dismiss it harden my heart in unbelief and try to deny it and explain it away. One of those things we will do with the message that Jesus Christ died. He was buried in that tomb for three days and he rose again from the dead to live forevermore. Go before me is the promise to Galilee. I'll be there. I'll go before you to Galilee and you will see me there. Go is the promise. And that's where Mark leaves us with this astonishment. You see, these ladies were all there at the crucifixion. These ladies that are there saw Jesus die. They lingered at the cross. They were walking through the whole thing. They were hiding out in some room. They were there at the crucifixion, it says. They saw him die. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, they were there. They saw him crucified. And you got to see, this is a bloody sight. You would rather go home. I've seen enough of this torture. They saw him. They saw him beaten and bruised. He had been scourged, beaten within an inch of his life, whipped, mocked, punched in the face, hit by soldiers who know how to knock you into the future, into the next world. Beaten, his face was swollen, bruised. They jammed crowns. They didn't just lightly put it on it. It says they struck him with it, put it on and hit him with it, jammed into his skull blood. They saw him so disfigured. The prophet Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 52, 14. They were astonished. This is in the Hebrew word. Desolate, appalled, horrified in the Hebrew that his appearance was so marred behind 
beyond human semblance. That's what they saw. This Jesus died as. They were there. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, followed to see where Joseph of Marathia would lay his body in that tomb. They watched the stone roll in his place. And when they were walking that morning, they were going, who's going to roll that stone away? That's what their conversation was, so we can anoint, put herbs, anointing oils, and take care of this dead, beaten body of Jesus that was pierced through. They saw the blood and water flow showing in the lungs. He was truly dead. They saw his blood run out on that ground. They saw his beaten body wrapped up by Joseph of Arimathea in that white linen that he had purchased. And they saw him laid in that tomb dead. Dead meant dead to them, just like it means to us today. There's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from the beating, no coming back from the crucifixion, no coming back from the nails through his hands and his feet, and there's no coming back from that spear jammed up underneath his ribs into his lungs and that blood all flowing out. There's no coming back from that. Don't get your uh, imaginations that, oh, they were like easy to convince somebody could rise from the dead. Nobody had risen from the dead. It was out of their realm of possibility. That's why they were astonished. It was like this building getting up and walking. What do you mean? But their focus was on the divine God speaking to them through the angel that this truly had happened and they had no category to put it in their heart or their mind. They were bewildered. But yet they wondered. What? They ran in fear. They were afraid. When you have no place to put this focus on the divine has come to you. Where do you place that? What do you do? Astonished at the cross and his death and astonished in his resurrection. These women knew, and that's what Mark leaves you with. He leaves you with these women running, fear and tremble and astonishment. He leaves you with this astonishment. You see, we must believe as believers in the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is key to everything in our life as Christians. Romans 10 says this, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. What am I proclaiming today? I'm saying the words right there within your mouth and within your heart, this word of faith. Because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? Anybody? God raised him from the dead. That God raised him from the dead. We believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is Christianity. This is salvation. It's that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what Mark's proven. He opened up his very first verse. This is the beginning of the gospel that Jesus is the Christ. That means Lord. That means King, the anointed one, the Son of God. And he proved it in his last verse. Boom, that's it. Do you believe it? Paul wrote to the Romans that you must believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. With the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So as Christians, we believe in our hearts, deeply in our hearts, that God raised Jesus from the dead. And we should be astonished every day with these women run out astonished rise up from our bed astonished 
Jesus, you've risen. I have new life in you. Jesus, you have risen. You are my Lord. Jesus, I will do whatever you say. I will follow your commandments and what you have told me out of love for you because you are resurrected and you are the living one. The faith we proclaim is rooted in this. Are we astonished? When we're left with this end of Mark's Gospels, are we curious about the abrupt ending of the empty tomb? Are we left wondering and in bewilderment? Are we left with those ladies going, I'm going to explore more. Is this resurrection real? Is it true? Are we left in that state of bewilderment and wonder? Are we trembling at what if it's true? What would it mean? Are we left trembling? Does it change everything in our lives if it is true? Does it change everything about how we live now? Everything about what our hope is in life and or in death? Does it change everything? And the answer in the Bible to Mark is, yes, it does. This is how it changed the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 3, he said, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Philippians 3, 8, goes on through to verse 11. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count it as rubbish, a heap of piling dung. That's what he's saying. Everything I've lost, it doesn't mean anything. It means as much as that to me. Now, this is somebody that's been transformed by the resurrection of Jesus, see? Everything in his life, all his suffering, everything, it's like rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, getting Christ tilts everything, tilts every loss so much to gain Christ. This is a man who's been transformed by the gospel, who's astonished. I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's what I have. Verse 10, Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power, somebody knew it, of his resurrection. That I may know him and that power when he was raised from the dead. That I may know him believe in my heart that God raised him from dead and to know that kind of power makes me feel like I'm outside of myself that I'm entering in another world that was always meant for me to live in nothing of this world can satisfy but only him I want to know that power of that supernatural amazement that Mary Magdalene had on that day when she looked at that empty tomb and heard that angel speak those words see where he lay he is not here for he has risen that power that raises dead people to life. Paul says, I want to know the power of the resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings. Not going to mean anything compared to getting Jesus. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to follow this Jesus all the way and be resurrected just like him with a body just like his. Paul is transformed by knowing Jesus Christ. He's so transformed that the loss of all things in this temporary life here don't amount to anything compared to knowing Christ and gaining Christ. We gain Christ, 
not through our own efforts, by keeping rules, keeping all the law, but by faith. We are made righteous from God, by a righteousness from God that depends on faith. We emphasize that, faith alone, believing in Jesus. Knowing Jesus is resurrected, knowing that he is alive, knowing that Jesus has defeated death, was raised from the dead, and that the power of death could not hold Jesus in the grave. Knowing and relying and trusting in the power of the resurrection, it changes everything in our now today, and it changes everything about our hope for the future. Knowing the power of the resurrection changes everything. That's how Christians live. They live astonished at the gospel and its power of the death and resurrection of Jesus. They see with those ladies... They go to the foot of the cross and they see the death of their great teacher and friend. They go to the tomb and they see him buried. They see and hear the words of the angel living and abiding in the word of God, fresh today, not dead, alive, living word. And they believe on them that Jesus has been raised from the dead. They believe in the gospel and they are astonished. Are we astonished? Do we tremble at these thoughts? Here's what the Apostle John did in Revelation 1, verses 17, verse 18. The Holy Scripture reads, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's being astonished. I fell at his feet as though I was dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I'm the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Lift me up, Jesus, as I fall before you. Have you ever fallen like a dead man? Trembling before Jesus and what he's done for you? you ever bowed before him and submitted your life wholeheartedly to every little ounce of everything you can think of and give to him and say, please help me to surrender it all? Fallen before him as though dead, laid out before him, admitting your helplessness, your humility before him, maybe crying out like, David, I'm a worm, not a man. Help me, God. You're so far above me. Save me. Have you ever come to the end of yourself? See, that's astonishment. It's coming out to where, like, am I crazy? Or is this really real? That's what being astonished is. He leads us on a journey of astonishment through the gospel of Mark. He leads us to this Jesus, astonished one place after another until we see him and that angel in that empty tomb proclaiming he's gone before us to Galilee. Go there and you'll see him. they did, but Mark doesn't say that. He just ends right there. Go and see him. Follow these ladies. Believe. Have that curiosity. What happened? What's the empty tomb mean? Mark takes us on this gospel abruptly. <coughs> no birth story, no Zachariah and Elizabeth. Just an immediate introduction, and you have John the Baptist as a grown man. You have him baptizing Jesus. 
verse 9 or so, by verse 14 we had in our liturgy today, Jesus is preaching. Grown man preaching, Mark 1, 14, that's pretty abrupt, that's pretty fast. You have him performing miracles in the first chapter. He jumps right into it. And in Mark 1, you have this. They were astonished at his teaching. Astonished. This is that ekpleso word. Astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. They were astonished. They were like, it's, it's a big word, not just like, oh, yeah, kind of, you know, balls. Yeah, that guy was kind of ball. No, they were like, really different, really out of my mind different. No category to put in our mind this kind of teaching, this kind of way of speaking. Like, is he for real, or is he a lunatic that thinks he's God, or is he really real? So C.S. Lewis said, liar, lunatic, or Lord, Jesus doesn't give you any other category. Was he just outright lying? Was he just a lunatic that really thought he was God, or is he really Lord? And what Mark is showing is he was really Lord, and they were astonished all the way through, astonished at his teaching in Mark one twenty two, astonished the same Greek word uh, in Mark 6 on the Sabbath when he began to teach in the synagogue. All who heard him were astonished. Same word. Where did this man get these things? How, this is another, you know, I mean, in other places, he's like a carpenter guy. He's a common guy. He's, he's a, you know, he, he worked with, you know, his father. He just did, you know, in Nazareth. Come on. Who is this? astonished where did this man get these things where is this wisdom where was this wisdom given to him from that was what they were asking they knew it they were astonished there was no category for the wisdom in their brain to hear from any other teacher like this astonished this is what they were saying how are such mighty works done by his hands how is he doing this like oh it's God you know but how is he doing it Nothing like has come on the scene like this. No category to put it in. Dumbfounded, not even able to speak, silenced. In a sense, because you're just like, oh! ever had that air knocked out of you? Just like, oh! astonished. Oh! You can't say anything, just astonished. Mark 7, they were astonished beyond measure. I mean, like, they don't just say astonished. Now they start saying, Mark starts saying, beyond measure. Like, if you could measure astonishment, it's beyond measure, Mark says, saying, he has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. I mean, they're astonished beyond measure. Mark 10 says something really similar, and they were exceedingly astonished. Like that adds something to the word astonished already that I've explained to you. But just to add it, exceedingly astonished. And they said to him, then who can be saved? This was when he told the parable of the rich young ruler. They were astonished exceedingly astonished. If this guy ain't saved, Jesus, he's got it all. Power, money, wealth, riches, blessings, those things. Come from God, don't they? I mean, he's saved. They were astonished, exceedingly astonished when Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. What? Who can be saved then? Astonished. Teaching was just otherworldly. No one had ever heard anything like that. They, they had heard, the, like today, the prosperity gospel. You know, health, wealth, and prosperity, you're going to get it all. Come to Jesus, get it all. They hadn't heard about suffering. They hadn't heard about the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and dying with Christ that we might live with him. It was all just 
All this must be it. They were astonished. Mark 11. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, but they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. I mean, they were caught up in it, in another mind. These are crazy people. No telling what they'll do. You know, they're believing this. So they back off because they were, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Thrown out of their normal position, displaced out of who they were to be amazed. Thrown into wonderment, hurled into it, knocked into it. Astounded, out of one's mind, beside oneself. Mark 2 uses this word the same as in six, eight, uh, 16, verse 8. It's astonished. And this is in Mark 2, verse 12. He rose up and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. And they were all amazed and glorified God. That word amazed is that ecstasis. Astonished. Amazed. It's paralytic. Picking up. You know, can you imagine deteriorated legs? Like, you know, getting up and all of a sudden having strength and walk. It's just like out of the world, out of this world. It's like seeing this building get up and walk. And it's just like, they're just like, what? Mark 5 uses this word. Immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with ecstasis. Mark 6, 51. He got into the boat with them, and when the wind ceased, they were utterly astonished. Utterly astounded, ESV says. Utterly, utterly to the other. Like, who is this? The wind and sea obeys him. This is an astonishment that Mark leads us on. He leads us on this journey that Jesus really did live this perfect life. These really were the words from, from heaven that they heard at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It's really real. He really is the Son of God. He really rose again. The tomb is, le- is empty, leaving us with this same astonishment. And it revolutionized the, the disciples' life. And we read about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And they're doing these great things, and and they look at Peter and John, it says in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, so they perceived this, uneducated common men, they were astonished. They looked at Peter and John. If they were, you know, maybe, but no way. These are uneducated comp. No way. This cannot be. But here's what they did. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. They must have been with that guy. Because he did astonishing things. 
astonished a bunch of people too. These are uneducated nobodies. How could they be doing this? Where does this boldness come from? We beat them and they just reappear in the temple preaching again. We throw them in prison and just come back out in the streets preaching the gospel. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been in the empty tomb with Mary Magdalene? Mary the mother of Joseph and Salome and seen the empty tomb heard the words you can be and you can go and you can believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you can confess with your mouth Jesus really is Lord that's what Mark's after Jesus is Lord he is the son of God and at the end of his gospel remember two weeks before when that centurion cried out truly this man was the son of God. That's how Mark's ending. Truly, he was, just in seeing how Jesus died on the cross. God chooses the foolish things in this world. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, to shame the wise. God chose that which is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chooses the low and the despised in this world, even things that are not, to bring things that are, are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. No human being, Peter and John, you know, doing all that, they were astonished because they recognized they had been with Jesus. Like, this ain't from you. You're weak. You're nobodies. You're poor. You're uneducated. This can't be from you. We recognize that you've been with Jesus, and that's our goal today. Our goal of our faith is to be recognized that we have been with Jesus and to give him glory, to give Jesus glory, to make much of Jesus. That's what we're here to do today to gather together and make much of Jesus to glorify God with everything we do in our whole life to be astonished at his mercy over all of our sins to wipe them so clean to forgive us in the blood of Jesus and to give us new life in his resurrected life to give us new purpose meaning in life in resurrection life to know the power of his resurrection you see our goal isn't for others to see us and boast in our accomplishments, but our goal is for them to see us and boast in Jesus. To boast in Jesus, to make much of Jesus. We want others to recognize that any good that we do is only because we've been with Jesus. We want to live our lives astonished that this King Jesus, the Son of the living God, died for us, was buried on the third day and rose again so that we who believe in him would have eternal life and eternal begins now life now and forevermore amen amen as we come and remember the gospel we come to remember the death of jesus when he died we remember his body that was broken for us and we remember his blood that was shed for us and we will remember his death until he comes. And if you've put your trust in that gospel, in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to come and join us at this table. And remember, stir a little wonderment. May the Holy Spirit stir a little even bewilderment in you, a little curiosity, a little wonder that your King, the Son of the living God, would die for you. So come and get this cup, take it back to your seats.
and we will hold it and we will partake together as we pray over it. Please come. was betrayed he took the bread and he gave thanks to the father for it and he broke it and he said this is my body take and eat and do this in remembrance of me let us partake of the bread together manner he took the cup and he said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood given to you for the remission of sins do this in remembrance of my death and do it until I come again let us partake of the cup together gracious heavenly father thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, his broken body, beaten upon and hung upon that tree, the cross, and became a curse for us that we might inherit the full blessings of you, God. Thank you for your son's shed blood, for the remission of our sins. We praise you and thank you you were a God who loved us so that you sent your only begotten Son. Whoever would believe in him would have eternal life, not perish. We praise you and we thank you, God, for the eternal life we have in Jesus. Let us sing from our hearts that believe that you, God, raised Jesus from the dead and sing in our hearts praise for all the blessings that we have in Jesus. Amen.
May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. benediction. You are blessed in Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Go and be astonished, full of the Holy Spirit, and be a light into this dark world. Reveal to all you come in contact with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and of his saving grace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love one another. Make a, that's cool. Did you make a, um, a cart?